And I will just remind everybody, especially welcoming those who are watching just the message or listening on the podcast. Uh, you got my screen, Dustone. Thank you. Um, to uh, welcome to Cornerstone, I'm Pastor Brian Foreman, and we would love to know who you are. If you check in with us, then we will be able to uh, follow up with you, encourage you, stay in touch with you, let you know what's happening with Cornerstone. So you can see on the screen the different ways you can do that. You can use our app, Church for, search for Church Center in your app store, or you can use, if you're here, the check-in card and put it in the box before you leave, or you can text the word here to our church number, 603 224-25-225-25-50. So, uh, guys, come on up. Who's doing first? Who's, who's got Mark 1? Beginning at verse I 14. I have that one. Okay, this is Jesse. Uh, everybody say hi, Jesse. Hi, uh, Come on up to the mic so that they can hear you. And we are going to read, they're going to read uh, from the Gospel of Mark. Jesse's going to handle 1 through are 14 through 28, and then Laura's going to do 35 to 38, and then skip ahead to chapter 3. So listen to the Gospel of Mark. Later on, after John was arrested, Jesus went to Galilee to preach good, God's good news. At last the time has come, he announced. The kingdom of God is near. Turn from your sins and believe this good news. One day, as Jesus was walking along the shores of the Sea of Galilee, he saw Simon and his brother Andrew fishing with a net, for they were commercial fishermen. Jesus called out to them, Come, be my disciples, and I will show you how to fish for people. And they left their nets at once and went with him. A little further up the shore, Jesus saw Zebedee's sons, James and John, in a boat, mending their nets. He called them too, and immediately they left their father, Zebedee, in the boat with the hired men and went with him. Jesus and his companions went to the town of Capernaum, and every Sabbath day he went into the synagogue and taught the people. They were amazed at his teaching, for he taught as one who had real authority, quite unlike the teachers of religious law. As a man possessed by an evil spirit was in the synagogue, he began shouting, Why are you bothering us, Jesus of Nazareth? Have you come to destroy us? I know who you are, the Holy One sent from God. Jesus cut him short. Be silent. Come out of the man. At that, the evil spirit screamed and threw the man into a convulsion, but then he left him. Amazement gripped the audience, and they began to discuss what had happened. What sort of new teaching is this? They asked excitedly. It has such authority. Even evil spirits obey his orders. The news of what he had done spread quickly through the entire area of Galilee. Good morning. <clears throat> Before daybreak, the next morning, Jesus got up and went out to an isolated place to pray. Later, Simon and the others went out to find him. When they found him, they said, everyone is looking for you. But Jesus replied, we must go on to other towns as well, and I will preach to them too. That is why I came. So we traveled throughout the region of Galilee, preaching in the synagogues and casting out demons. Afterward, Jesus went up on a mountain and called out the ones he wanted to go with them, and they came to him. Then he appointed 12 of them and called them to his apostles, called, called them his apostles. They were to accompany him, and he would send them out to preach, giving them authority to cast out demons. Let's pray together.
Heavenly Father, I thank you for your word, and I thank you that we have the opportunity to study it, to learn from it, and to see the pattern that you laid out for us to follow in it. I pray, Lord, that you would speak to us. Lord, we are confident that your Holy Spirit is here, that your Holy Spirit inspired the words of the scripture and will explain and teach us through those words. I pray, Lord, that you would show us each what we need to do with what we hear today. Give us ears to hear, hearts that are eager to obey, and feet that are quick to follow in your path. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Thank you. So, you may remember in the last couple of weeks that I talked about the, uh, when we were starting Cornerstone uh, about 20 years ago, that a controlling metaphor, a, a vision, a picture for what our church would be was the idea of a greenhouse. And, uh, you know, you think about a greenhouse and what, what does a greenhouse do? You can't, you can't create the life, you can't create a seed, but you take that and you put it in an environment where that life can flourish and grow. And from my experience, I know that even though I grew up in church and had great teaching and opportunities throughout my life, it wasn't until I got into the environment, the greenhouse of my time in college, that my spiritual growth really took off. There I was, for the first time around others my own age who were serious about following Jesus, we lived together, we prayed together, we played together, we studied together. So I had that environment for school. I was majoring in biblical studies and minoring in biblical languages. I was, my, my whole focus, my whole environment was almost as if it was perfectly designed for spiritual growth. And then afterwards, we, start, we tried to recreate that by staying together and living close together. And I realized as we were experiencing that, never being able to quite recreate it and wondering why, that, and then starting a church, that that's what a church should be like. That when you come into the environment of a church family, that it should be like a spiritual greenhouse. So the question then becomes, what are those environmental factors? You could probably list them if you thought about a greenhouse, uh, an actual greenhouse. You know, well, it's got to get a certain amount of sun. Uh, it's got to get a certain amount of water. It's got to get a certain amount of fertilizer. You, and you, you create an environment for it to flourish. And sometimes it's different. Like, uh, you, you think of a traditional greenhouse, which is lots of sun. When I was growing up, my grandmother had an orchid house. Has anybody ever seen or heard of an orchid house? Okay, heard of it? Okay. So orchids need more shade. So it's not, a, it's not glass. It actually creates shade. And this was in Key West where they get lots of sun and it's lots of hot. So those orchids really needed the shade. But what were we doing? We were creating an environment for life to flourish. So really, that's what we are talking about in this new series, Praxis, where I told you last week that that's uh, from a Greek word, and here's my Greek lexicon, and it's the course of action. It's not spiritual life, because we can't create that. Only God can give that. Uh, it's not 
uh, it's not a list of do's and don'ts like the Ten Commandments. It's not uh, defining righteousness. It's the it's the elements of the environment. It's the things that we as followers of Jesus do. It's the things that we as a church seek to create an environment that encourages that these are a course of action. These are the things that Jesus followers do in order to flourish. And so today's message is called Know, Grow, and Go, which is the shorthand that we've come up with in order to uh, make it easy to remember the things that Jesus did, the pattern that he set that we are following. And it's answering this question, what can I do to prompt spiritual growth? What are the things that I can do to prompt spiritual growth? And that's the kind of thing that we should be experiencing, that we should be creating, the environments that we should be creating as a church so that when people come into this environment, they grow because it's perfectly designed to facilitate spiritual growth. Unfortunately, that's not always the case because sometimes, you know, I've had lots of conversations with people where their church experience was actually a detriment to their spiritual growth, a detriment to knowing and growing close to the Lord. So we don't want that. Another problem that happens is that growth gets kind of stagnant and people aren't making progress. Let me ask you this question. You don't have to answer it out loud. No, no elbowing the person next to you. But what? What is the difference between you and pick a time frame one year ago, two years ago, five years ago, and you now is, have you made progress? Is, is the progress that you've made obvious to others where they, if somebody encountered you five years ago, three months ago, six years ago, and, and then they compare that to right now, they would say, wow, you know, you're, you're really growing. You're, you're making progress. It's obvious to everyone. Now, maybe there's things happening behind the scenes, but what, what would it take to prompt spiritual growth that would be obvious and visible to everyone? That's what we want to do. We want to prompt that. We want to create an environment where you will grow. So today, what we're really talking about is maturity. Sometimes uh, people say about church in church world that things uh, that things that are healthy grow. Well, yeah, that's to a point. Think about the natural world. Things that are healthy grow to the point of maturity, and then they reproduce. So if you are maturing as a follower of Jesus, you should be growing, you should be maturing, and you should be reproducing. There should be people who are following behind you that are following Jesus because you're following Jesus. So what are the things that we do that follow Jesus' pattern that we should be doing in our lives and in the life of our church that we should be passing on to the people behind us and the next generation that will prompt an environment of spiritual growth. So we're going to look at these three shorthands and where they came from, but here's the bottom line. If you're taking notes for progress that's showing, that's obvious to everyone, 
get into the habits of knowing, growing, and going. And I'll explain what that means as we unpack this message. But I want you to notice that habits, those are the praxis. Those are the course of action. Those are the things that are a part of our regular routine and our lives. And those are based on these three shorthands. So here are the, here's the overview. Don't try to write this down. It's, I'm going to go too fast and I'm going to come back to it. No, someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own. You're going to be getting to know Jesus better. Grow. Worshiping in a community, growing among friends in a circle. If you want to grow spiritually, you have to connect relationally. And then going, going and making a difference in their world. This is ministry or service. And so what I'm going to challenge you to do is to make sure that we are at least doing this first next step. And that is to commune with Jesus on your own this week. And I'm hopefully going to inspire you, but also equip you to give you some tools that will help with that as well. So the bottom line. For progress that's showing, get into the habits of knowing, growing, and going. Now, where did this come from? I was thinking about this, uh, you know, because I'm always struggling about what's the best way to describe what we're doing, how to, how to really wordsmith it and nail it down. And I was thinking about, well, what should we be doing as a church? Well, we're followers of Jesus. Well, if you're following Jesus, then you're doing what Jesus did. So what did Jesus do? So I, and I love the gospel of Mark. If you want to read a short gospel, that's the shortest one. It's very bullet point. He's constantly using the word immediately, immediately, immediately. He keeps the story going. And so in these first couple of chapters that Laura and Jesse read, you see a picture of Jesus gathering his disciples, starting his ministry, and then handing it off to the disciples to do the things that he had done. So let me just kind of walk you through that passage that they read read so that you see the, the, the big outline. It starts off with a summary of Jesus' teaching. It, the time promised by God has come, he announced, the kingdom of God is near. Now, I highlighted this in a certain way because remember I've been talking to you about Hebrew poetry. Hebrew poetry is often in parallels. So Jesus is speaking in parallels here. Time promised is paralleled with the kingdom of God. Has come is near. He's saying that this, this time that was promised by God, where God was going to restore his kingdom, establish his kingdom, it's come. You're right on the precipice of it. And if you were here a couple of weeks ago when I diagrammed this out, this was the picture that uh, starting at creation and then things go wrong, people get broken and they just continue this downward spiral. But sometime in the future, God promises, I'm going to intervene again, establish my kingdom, and I'm going to set things right from that point on. Then, of course, we know that that's actually an incomplete picture. And so when Jesus came, we see him uh, establishing the kingdom, but it's a little bit of an overlap where the two kingdoms are going. So this is the point that we're starting at. He's saying, it's come, it's drawn near, it's started, and we're about to enter into this overlap. So what is this picture? This picture is from this point on, that's heaven. That's everything set right. That's the last tears wiped away. And what he's saying is, I'm going to pull heaven back into the present. And it's going to start right now. That's what eternal life is. That's what the church is. These little outposts of the kingdom of God. Now, it hasn't come in its fullness or completeness, 
but it will, and it has already started. That's what he's saying. So what's the first thing he does? He gathers some people around him. One day, Jesus was walking along the shore of the Sea of Galilee. He sees Simon and Andrew. These are brothers who are among the first disciples. Uh, then Jesus calls out to them, come follow me and I will show you how to fish for people. They're commercial fishermen, as Jesse's translation said. And he's saying, this is what you know. This is what you've been doing, but I'm going to redirect your life. I'm going to give you a new purpose. I love the way that the, the, if you read the Christian Standard Bible, the CSB, in the little footnotes, it gives you this alternate translation. It's kind of a literal translation, so it's not you know, great English, but I love the idea that it pulls out. Follow me, Jesus told them, and I will make you to become fishers of people. I love that. I will make you to become. In other words, this is something you're not, and, and you're not yet, but, but I'm going to so dramatically redirect and reorient uh, your life that you're go I'm going to make you to become something that you weren't before. I'm going to give you new purpose. And then, of course, at the end of the Gospel of Matthew, it's summed up this way. What's, our, what's that purpose? What's that mission? Go and make disciples of all nations. Now, I like translating disciples as apprentices. I think that pulls out the idea the most. It's literally a learner. It's somebody who uh, is learning, but it's not just somebody who's filling their head with knowledge. It's somebody that is apprenticing in the ways of Jesus. Not that they just know things, but that they know how to do things, how to live it out. You think about uh, you know, you can go and get degrees about certain things, but there are certain, there are certain uh, skills, there are certain um, um, trades, there are certain things uh, that you have to apprentice. You know, if you're going to be a surgeon, you have to apprentice. If you're going to be an electrician, you have to apprentice. If you're going to be a follower of Jesus, it's not just learning stuff. It's learning how to follow Jesus. So that's the big picture. It's like he says, I'm going to make you to become followers, uh, people who are reflecting me to the world, who are following in my steps. And then your job is going to be just to, is going to be to do that. And then also duplicate that, make disciples in others. So what is the pattern of Jesus life? What did he do? Well, for progress that's showing, get into the habits, the practices of knowing, growing, and going, because that's what we see Jesus doing. Let's start with no. Someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own. What do we see Jesus doing? This was just illustrative. It wasn't the only place you see it. It's just one, one of many where you see Jesus drawing close to his heavenly father. Here is God in the flesh, and he still makes time to get away from everyone else, to isolate himself, and to focus in on that relationship with his heavenly father. In Mark 135, before daybreak the next morning, Jesus got up, went out to an isolated place to pray. You see Jesus getting away to pray to commune with his heavenly father. So how do we do that? Well, 
from early days as a follower of Jesus growing up in church, I was encouraged to have a quiet time. What's a quiet time? It's a time that is set aside, usually at the beginning of the day, but do the time of day that works best for you to read God's word, to respond to God, to pray, to get in that habit of connecting, communing with your heavenly father on a daily basis. And when I came into this community and I was a part of the pastor's fellowship, I met some others who were doing this thing called life journaling. It was a particular way of doing a quiet time And it's been the most successful, most helpful, best equipping tool that I've found for establishing this habit of reading and responding to God's word. I talk about it all the time. I'm going to give you info about it. But you need some time every day where you connect, where you commune with your heavenly father. That's the habit of knowing. There's some habits, and this is the primary one that we promote, of communing with your heavenly father one-on-one on your own on a daily basis. That's the pattern if we want to follow Jesus that we're going to establish. I can't tell you how many times I have had my quiet time, my devotional time, my time for life journaling, reading and responding to God's word where I didn't even know what I was looking for. I didn't know what I needed for that day. But as I read, my heavenly father spoke to me and gave me direction, and gave me insight, helped me to see things from a different perspective that reoriented reoriented and redirected my life for that day. What if you could get a daily briefing from the God of the universe who loves you, knows everything, is all-powerful, and has your best interests at heart? Would you set aside five or 10 minutes for that briefing on a daily basis at least? That's what I'm encouraging us to do. So for progress that is showing, that makes a difference, get into the habits of knowing, commune with your heavenly father, growing and going. Second part, first commune, then grow. Worshiping in a community, growing among friends in a circle. So often we think of growing as just gaining knowledge by ourselves. That if I know more about the Bible, if I can recite certain verses to you, if I've read certain books, if I'm doing my daily devotions, then I'm growing. Well, that's a part of it. Just like, let's say, fertilizer is a part of being in a greenhouse. But it's not the only thing. It's not the only thing. I told you that the big part, a big part of my story was when I got in community. We didn't call it that, but that's what it was. When I was in community with others at college who were same age, grow, pursuing God wholeheartedly. First time I had been in that setting, that was like pouring fuel on my spiritual growth. You need, in order to grow, you have to connect with others. That's why people who are, want to follow Jesus, say they love God, but aren't connected in a church, they're, they're probably not growing. Or they're probably not growing as well as they would if they were connected with others. And so often the tendency is to get into a church, something goes wrong, something's not the way I like it, and then you pull out and leave. And it's like you're short-circuiting what God wants to do with you. Because now I'm not saying stay in abusive churches or, you know, if there's doctrine that's off the wall, then get out and run and find a new place, but find a new place. 
because you need that church family. Just like in the natural, God puts children in a family with a mother and father. That's the only way it happens even today. And, uh, and you're surrounded by the generations and your siblings. Why? Because that helps you to grow. You, you need all those. You learn to grow in that setting. And God places his spiritual children in a family. Why? Because there's something about our interacting, sometimes encouraging, sometimes working through conflict, sometimes whatever, that encourages and prompts us to grow. So you need to be worshiping in a community. You need to make, I'm so thankful. This is Mother's Day. I've said so often, I'm so thankful to my parents as I was growing up. Whether or not we went to church on Sunday was never a question. We didn't say, oh, you know, what's the weather? Or, you know, do we feel like it? Or how late were we up last night? That was never a question. It's Sunday morning, we're going to church. And I'm so thankful for that example. So you need to be in a community. Because unless you're in that community, unless you're in the greenhouse, you're not going to grow like you would. Could you, could you have life? Could you bear fruit outside the greenhouse? Yes. Is it going to be the same as when you're in the greenhouse? No. It's just not. It's just not. You need to be in a circle. This is an important part. You can go to church and never connect relationally with other people. You need to have a circle of friends, a, a, a peer group. Uh, now, it doesn't have to be these people your same age and your same stage of life. There's part of that family aspect there as well. When we first started out as a church, we were all young couples with small children because that's what we were. That's what everybody that came to the church was. Now, I was so thankful for some of you know Ann Lindsay. Ann Lindsay was the first 70-something-year-old that showed up at our church and stayed. <laughs> and so we were so thankful for that. And we've seen over time that there's much greater diversity. Maybe part of the reason why you need to be here on a week-in and week-in basis is so that when somebody else comes who's in your stage of life, they see somebody else that's like them. It's like, oh, we belong here. There's somebody else like me. And that's what Ann Lindsay did for us, for, for our sen senior citizens, our seasoned saints. So you need to be in a circle, people that you know what's going on with you, that are you can connect with, that... You have friends that you have somebody to sit with on Sunday morning and somebody to call in the middle of the night. You need to have a circle of friends. What do we see in Jesus' pattern? Where am I getting all of this? Uh, you see in Mark 121, when the Sabbath day came, he went into the synagogue. That was their gathering place. Synagogue literally means a gathering place, just like church literally means an assembly. Uh, and Jesus began to teach. So he was teaching them. He was giving them info, but it was in the context of community. And that's how we are apprenticed in the church in our day and age as well. So you need to be worshiping together. You need a church family. You need that greenhouse. And you also need a circle that you can connect with. Now, how do we do that at Cornerstone? Well, obviously, Sunday mornings, we're together. But we also have Cornerstone communities. These are the small groups, the life groups, the, the, the serving teams that you connect with. And you need to be a part of those. We need you to be connected in those circles. So for progress that's showing, get into habits of knowing, growing, and going. Let's look at going. First, you're communing. That's the no. Then you're in community. That fosters growth. 
and then going, going and making a difference in the world. What do we see Jesus doing? He's, it says in verse 34 of chapter one, Jesus healed many people who were sick with various diseases and he cast out many demons. Picture that chart that I showed you with the arrows at the beginning. So at that last point where there's the big line of God's intervention and there's the crown icon there, that emoji, from that point on, everything is set right. And whatever you believe about Jesus, whatever you've been taught, whatever your personal convictions are, if you read the scriptures, honestly, it's very clear that Jesus saw his role as he was setting things right. And, but now he's bringing that back into the present. Uh, it's not all set right yet, but he's beginning to set things right. He's pushing against the darkness and establishing the kingdom of God. So what are the ways he dealt that? Here's a couple of examples. He healed people who were sick. He cast out many demons, pushing against the evil in his world. And we, if we're going to be his followers, are going to be doing the same thing. We're going to be going. We're going to be serving. We're seeking out. Well, what are the needs that need to be met? In what way is our world not as it should be? And what do I have? And in what way can I contribute to making things right? In the context of a local church, that happens through our serving opportunities and our ministry Teams. Ministry teams actually uh, allow for both of those. You're apprenticing with Jesus. You're apprenticing in the ways of Jesus with others who are following Jesus. And you're also in ministry together. So yes, we all have opportunities to serve others. I hope our default in any circle that we go into is how can I help? What are the needs and how can I help? But there's something about having a particular ministry, a particular role that you're responsible for that will prompt, that that just prompts spiritual growth in a way that others don't. So if you've been here and you consider Cornerstone your church, if you want to see growth in your life and you haven't taken responsibility for something, if you're not serving in some way, if there's not somebody counting on you to do something, then that's an obvious opportunity for spiritual growth to sign up for that because when you sign up for that it gives you a reason to show up it gives you a circle of friends that know you and know what's going on with you and gives you a very concrete specific way to contribute to the ministry of our church and what's going on here so for progress that's showing get into these habits of knowing going growing and going. And then what did Jesus do? We've seen what he did. He did all these things. And then what did he do? He turns around and he appointed 12. He said, you've seen me. You've been around me. We've been doing this for a while. And here now I'm going to make you part of my circle. And what, what, what was the purpose of that? To be with him, to send them out to preach and to have authority to drive out demons. What are we seeing here? We're seeing the same things. It's like, okay, get to know me. And then together, we're going to grow. I'm going to preach. We're going to teach, but you know, it's going to be in the context of community and then the context of this circle, and you're going to grow as a result. And also, we're going to go. We're going to push back against the evil in this world. We're going to drive out the demons. We're going to heal people. We're going to look around and ask, how, what are the needs, and how can I help? And that's what he asked 
his followers to do. And that's what he is asking his followers to do today. And that's what I am challenging all of us. I want us to be a church that's obviously growing. Now, not just in numbers, but that when people come in here, they change. They're, they're, they're communing with God on a regular basis. They're finding friends that are going to encourage them. And as the scriptures describe, spur one another on towards love and good deeds. And that they're actually contributing members of this circle, but also of society, that they're seeing needs and meeting those needs and leveraging what God has placed in our hands for the benefit of others. And when you do that, when you get into these habits of communing with God, circling up with your brothers and sisters in Christ, and going out and serving others, you will grow. In fact, you will grow and you will mature and you will pass that on to another generation. So what have we been saying? We've been talking about maturity. How does that happen? For progress that's showing, get into these habits of knowing, growing, and going to know someone following Jesus will be a person communing with God on their own, to grow, worshiping also in a community, growing among friends in a circle, and to go, going and making a difference in their world. Now, there are a variety of ways that we can take what we've heard today and make it practical and apply it. Um, but I'm going to focus in on one in particular. And that's making sure that we are all at least taking that one step, have that one practice of communing with God on a daily basis. So the next step that this aligns with is our saying yes. So commune with Jesus on your own this week. Here's what I will do to help out with that. Some of you have this down. You've been doing life journaling for years. You have notebooks piled high in your house, and that's great. That's awesome. But I know that even I need occasional constant encouragement to keep with it, to remember, hey, this makes a difference, and it's so easy to get distracted. So let me resource you for this. If you put in your check-in, or when you, uh, take, oh, when you indicate what your next steps are, LJ for Life Journal, then this week I'll send you at least five entries from my Life Journal. Some of them might be my best of that I just know I think this will be helpful. Some of them might be ones that I do this week that I like, oh yes, this is perfect. I'll send it to you. But what that will do was it'll jumpstart jump your communing with God time that you don't have to do it all on your own. You've got something to read. You've got a starting point. And it's also modeling. Well, what does it look like? Do I have to write three pages? Do I have to write it down? Do I, what, what? Well, now you'll see. You'll get an example of what it looks like. It's not rocket science or brain surgery. So you can do this, but just at least once a day, have some point of connection. Get that daily briefing from your heavenly father. Now, you also see on the reverse side of your growth guide, all of our key next steps. How do those align with what we were talking about today? Saying yes begins when you say yes to Jesus in the first place as Savior and Lord. And if you haven't taken this step, this is an important, this is the starting point. We talked last week about the ordinance of communion. In weeks coming, we'll be talking about the ordinance of baptism, 
the ordinance of communion is kind of like celebrating your anniversary. The ordinance of baptism is kind of like when you get married. It's throwing a party. It's your wedding. And you're saying, from this point on, I'm going to be connected to this person. This person is mine. We are each other's for life. We're going to walk together through life. In a similar way, when you say yes to Jesus, what are you saying? You're saying, my old life is dead and gone, and now I'm going to be following Jesus from this point on. You symbolize that. You celebrate it through baptism. You're saying, yes, Jesus, what you did on the cross, I want that to count for me. And from this point on, I'm going to follow in your steps. He is my Savior, and he is my Lord. But saying yes is also something that we do on a daily basis. And that's what that habit of communing with God, doing life journaling, doing a daily devotional, what that is is just every day recommitting, renewing that say yes commitment and hearing from him. So that's the one. What about the growing? You need to be in a church, but you also need to be connected in a circle. And so that's why we have those groups. If you go to cornerstonenh.org slash groups, you will see all these groups laid out is know, grow, and go. In the know, I'm sorry, in the grow section, you're going to find those groups where you can connect, those circles. This is not meetings This is ministry. This is people that are going to connect with you, watch over you, encourage you, spur you on towards love and good deeds. Make sure you're connected in a grow group. And then thirdly to go, that's our ministry teams. For some of you, your next step is I'm ready to serve. I'm ready to make a commitment. I've been on the edges. I've been on the fringe. Now I want to jump in. I want to take responsibility for something. I want to be responsible to and for my church family. So whatever your next step is, however I can encourage or equip you, let's make sure. Now, some of you are like, "Ah, I've heard this before, but are we doing it? Is every single one of us who consider Cornerstone a part of, uh, you're, you're a part of Cornerstone, that this is my church, are you, do you have a habit where you're communing with God on a daily basis? Do you have a circle of friends that you're connected with that are in your life and you're in their life and you're spurring one another towards love and good deeds? Do you not just serve generally, help when it's convenient, show up when you can? Or do you have responsibility for and to someone? If everybody, even in our small circle, did that, we would grow. And not just in numbers, but in maturity as well. So let's do it. Would you pray with me? Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. And I thank you, Lord, that not only only did you make a way for us to be adopted into your family, citizens in your kingdom, but that you showed us how to do it. And you said, you know, this, this is how. I'm going to blaze the trail. And then you can follow behind me and you just do what I did. And Lord, I pray that you would help us as a church to inspire and equip people to follow you wholeheartedly. And I pray, Lord, for each one of us that we would see exactly the next step that you are calling us to, that you are putting on our hearts and minds and saying, do this, walk this way. This is the way. Follow in my steps. And that we would eagerly, joyfully 
committedly do that. And through all that, may we come to know you better. May we be surrounded by friends that we can call in times of need and friends that we are serving and making a difference with in our church, in our community, and in our world. And we thank you because if we do that, I believe that we will grow and we will see you at work in ways that we haven't before in our lives and in our church. And that's what we pray for. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.